morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, the node defender, is going to be joining us later in the episode. And I'm introducing myself this morning. We got Abs joining us, so I am very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Black, the BlackRock building is burning in France this morning while the people are fighting back against the tyranny of their government. While in India is launching their central bank digital currency, stating they will have over a million users in the next three months. Coinbase is pushing back against the SEC, stating crypto enhances finance, leaving the XRP community laughing after using Bitcoin and Ethereum as examples of faster payments. The U.S. dollar is collapsing before our eyes as countries across the world are moving away from a dollar-dominated system. And with summary judgment in the Rippleverse SEC case coming any day now, we break down the details, highlighting the comments of Jeremy Hogan from yesterday and showing our community how this case is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So somebody said Ab sounds a bit off. I do have a little bit of a cold this morning, guys. So bear with me here. But Johnny Crypto, I'm honestly feeling great. So how are you feeling, my friend? And thanks for making time for us. Well, Abs, I am feeling fantastic as always. Let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. I also want to give a shout out to Joyful Jackie, who was supposed to be here today, but she's not feeling well. So Jackie, I want to send you love and high healing vibrational frequencies. I hope you do well. And uh, yeah, Abs, it's great. It was a great show yesterday. I'm ready to hop into it today. And, uh, and hopefully we'll have Mario here soon and we'll be able to have a nice chat. Awesome, guys. I'm really excited for today's show as well. Going to start this show off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. You get access to our team. We're at 3,581 followers. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. Johnny Crypto, the Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is up one basis point this morning, sitting in greed at a 63. And when we check out some of the daily movers, not nothing to note across the board. I don't see any currencies that I think are worth noting. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at 1.18 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 46% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 28,000. XRP, sorry, Ethereum, 1,800. XRP, 50 cents. Cardano is 38 cents. And scroll down to Quant Network, sitting at 121. And Johnny Crypto, you already know where my head is at. I just gave it away right there. XRP is on my mind this morning and for good reason. So we're going to start this show off with a great clip from one of our friends, John Beaton, somebody we would love to have on the show someday. We're going to play this and go to Johnny. Here we go. This decision gets bigger and bigger. So I just want you to think about those, those of you out there who are thinking about this. Why hasn't she ruled yet? What I doubt very seriously that Judge Torres has ever felt the pressure that she's feeling right now. Ripple is sending. Hey, Judge, look what the judge in Voyager said. Look what the Judge Gorsuch of the Supreme Court said about fair notice. All of these things are happening after. She's getting more information. Look at the SEC's conduct. Look at Binance. Look at the CFTC. All of this stuff is happening in the background where you got guys like me saying the regulatory clarity is going to come from her. Yep. you got the library decision. You don't think she's aware of all this? So this decision is as big of a decision 
that this judge has ever faced. Shout out to XRP Jenna or Jenna X because she said this on our show yesterday during the Jeremy Hogan interview. Can you believe the pressure that Judge Torres is dealing with? It's a decision like this sets the precedent for all crypto cases going forward. And of course, we're going to show the clip later in the episode of Jeremy Hogan's interview with us yesterday. This is from the Digital Asset Investor and it's circulating about what could happen if Ripple wins versus if Ripple gets a settlement. So it's a very interesting clip. But Johnny Crypto, how do you feel about John Deaton's statements and the fact that he agrees with Jenna more pressure than ever is on Judge Torres? Think about this. You've got literally, you know, many, many government agencies, you know, and we know right from the president, you showed it yesterday, Operation Choke Point to shut down crypto, right? And do all things to kind of maybe not shut it down, but definitely to squeeze it. And then you've got this one judge on the other side that literally has the the power of crypto in her hands to either crush it or to enable it. And so there is a tremendous, tremendous amount of pressure on her to do, you know, for her probably consciously to do what she thinks right. But then she's probably getting pressure, outside pressure from all around her, you know, to crush it or choke it or whatever. So who knows? But I, I'll tell you one. Here's the one thing I know. I, I would not want to be that judge. No way in the world would I ever want to be that judge. This is probably the most important decision she's ever going to have to. I shouldn't say that, but this is probably one of the more difficult decisions she's going to have to make. And that's probably at this point why it's taking so long. But as Jeremy said yesterday, the longer it takes, it almost feels like the better chance that she rules in favor of XRP uh, of Ripple. And I think that when you look at all the facts and you look at all the things stated, in my opinion only, and that's all it's worth is just that, I almost can't see how she can't rule in favor of, of Ripple, but we'll have to wait and see what the outcome is. Johnny, we got 361 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And honestly, I can't wait. We're getting right into this video from yesterday. This is from our interview with Jeremy Hogan, breaking down the details of what could happen with a settlement versus a ruling. And this is very interesting because the SEC, if they lose to Ripple, they will not appeal. Right, so your initial statement is correct. A settlement, there's no appeal of a settlement, of course. The problem with the settlement is it has no effect on any other cases in the space, right? So if Ripple settles with the SEC, it has absolutely no effect on the SEC's next lawsuit against another crypto company. Mm. So in a, in a sense, it's good for Ripple, but a settlement between the SEC and Ripple is bad for crypto. Correct. Because in the past, remember, Every lawsuit that the SEC has brought in the past against these companies, no one has really been able to put up a fight. I mean, library put up a fight, but they only had like a million dollars to fight the SEC, which in the legal world is not a lot of money. Ripple's put a hundred million dollars into fighting the SEC. And the facts for Ripple are pretty good, better than for most crypto projects. So this is the case where the SEC could be, their, you know, what they're doing could be put to an end with the Ripple case, because that will then be the end of the SEC being able to make some of these arguments they've been making in the past. So if Ripple settles, all of that money for the crypto base is wasted. Now, they would have to do what's in the best interest of the company. But at the same time, it's not going to have any effect as far as the other, you know, as far as crypto in general. If the judge rules in Ripple's favor, I do not think the SEC is going to appeal. And the reason I say that is because there's no benefit to the SEC to appeal because if the case then goes up to the Second Circuit and the appellate court and the Second Circuit rules against the SEC, 
Now that becomes binding precedent. And the SEC is screwed as far as any other lawsuits that they want to bring. And that's one of my biggest concerns when we've talked about the XRP lawsuit in the past, Johnny Crypto, is let's say that Ripple did get a win and there wasn't a settlement. They would then go through an appeal process, eventually leading them to the Supreme Court. And I was a little bit, I, I wasn't super informed on the litigation and how it worked. So in my perspective, I was thinking, here we go, another 24 months of Ripple being in court and people like us speculating about what's going to happen. Jeremy seems to disagree and he makes some great points. Ripple or the SEC wouldn't want to appeal because if they lost in the appellate court, that means that would be the standard for SEC lawsuits going forward. And it would put them in a very difficult situation when trying to go after other crypto companies. So with that being said, what stuck out to you most, Johnny Crypto? And then I'll play the end of that clip. Well, you know what I love in life is no matter how old you are, you always learn something new every single day. And this was the perfect classic case yesterday. I personally learned a lot from Jeremy as well. And I hope so. I hope our audience, uh, you know, our listeners did as well is for me, I didn't know. So this was the big learning for me. I didn't realize that if ripple wins this first level case, that that isn't really uh, setting precedent. It's that next level appellate court that actually sets the precedent that would actually rip away the sec's powers. Now, the reason why abs, this is good news is because when you think about um, when you think about this case now, you almost get a good feeling. I I thought for sure we were getting appealed either way, and I actually completely feel different now. I know not. I now know that here's going to be the outcome. If Ripple wins, or I should say, if Ripple loses, hundred percent they're going to appeal. No question, they're going to the next level. However, if they win, I don't think we're going to see the appeal anymore, based on what Jeremy was saying, which is actually good news now. So the good news is Ripple wins. This case probably stops right there because SEC is not going to want to risk losing their teeth. They basically lose all their power if they lose at the next level. So that was that was new information for me and exciting now because I don't think if they win, this is going to go over and over and over again if Ripple wins. If they lose, yes, this is going to be a long time coming because we're going to go to the uh, we're going to go to the SC, uh, the next level up appellate court. They lose that, they're going to appeal to the Supreme Court, and then that's when you're talking two three years. If Ripple loses, but if they win, the good news is I think we're done. This thing will be over. So now I'm rooting for either a win or a settlement. Now a settlement. Well, I said a lot. I'll come back to that later. Go ahead. I know you have the next article. No, feel free. If you want to elaborate or I can play the video. It's up to you, Johnny. For if a settlement comes out, here's the thing. Now, as you heard, everybody kept saying, oh yeah, we'll get the, the ripple test, the ripple test. And what you're learning is no, you won't get the ripple test. If we get a settlement. That just means, hey, Ripple, you're allowed to play in the sandbox and nobody else is. Now, that that may be the more interesting way, you know, or may, thing that may happen here because now this way, there's no clarity still for crypto. Ripple gets to play. Nobody else does. And basically, oh, I think we've got a, I think we've got somebody here. Uh, Ripple gets to play and nobody else does. It, this is great news for Ripple if a settlement happens but not so much great news for the industry. So if you're rooting for the crypto industry, then you want to actually see a win. You want to see the judge rule in their favor, Abs. If you're rooting just for Ripple and you don't care about the rest of the crypto industry, then you'll be happy with a settlement. 
And those are pretty much the two options uh, other than a loss. Absolutely, guys. And we got 411 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you're hearing that, go off in the background. That is, of course, my co-host notifications. But guys, we got another friend joining us right now is Mario, a.k.a. The No Defender is here. Mario, shout out to you. Enjoying your time in Brazil. I hope you're having a great vacation. How are you feeling this morning before I play this video? Thanks for making time for us. Feeling great. Sorry I'm late, first of all, but it's great to be back on the show. Great to see all your faces, uh, Johnny Crypto and Avs and everybody in the chat. Sending everybody love. Hope everybody's doing well. Awesome. Mario, Mario, it's great to see you too. We thought you got stuck in the sand there. Maybe you were in the beach. You know, it was hard to get off the oh, beach. Oh, man. Like, I just did a two-hour travel to be here, so I made it. Atta boy, and that's why we call ourselves Warriors, my friends. And with 420 live listeners in the building, we're going to play this brief update on what could happen in Ripple versus SEC case. As far as crypto in general, if the judge rules in Ripple's favor, I do not think the SEC is going to appeal. And the reason I say that is because there's no benefit to the SEC to appeal because if the case then goes up to the Second Circuit and the appellate court and the Second Circuit rules against the SEC, now that becomes binding precedent. And the SEC is screwed as far as any other lawsuits that they want to bring. So if I'm the SEC and I'm 90% sure this is what they would do, and they lose, there won't be an appeal because they don't want to they don't want to mess up their whole agenda here in enforcing these regulations against the crypto space. So in my mind, the only way we get the Ripple test is if Ripple loses at the trial court level, appeals it up to the Second Circuit, because then Ripple will do it because they have the money and they have the incentive to do it, and they're going to want the Second Circuit to say no. We're going to replace the Howey test with the Ripple test, and we're going to require an investment contract to actually have a contract. So that's how that would all work. Now, time-wise, we get the judge's decision, let's say, in April or May. Uh, the Second Circuit wouldn't be hearing it until next year. I want to pause it there, and we'll come back to the end of that clip where he talks about the dates or possible resolutions. But, Johnny, what really sticks out to me is what Jeremy Hogan just outlined if we're looking at what's going on today, everyone's optimistic about a Ripple win, but he just outlined how the best case scenario could be an initial loss, an appeal, and then winning in the appellate court. That could be the best case scenario for the entire crypto industry. So how do you feel about his take there? And then we'll elaborate and kick it to the no defender. <clears throat> well, that is ultimately, and in, in, in in all our fans want that too, if you look at the comments here, because what that does is that takes like, that takes the teeth open up your dog or your tiger, take his teeth, rip it out and throw them out. They basically have no bite. That would literally clip. I can't even say the word I want to say, so I'll be nice on here. Uh, it would, it would clip the wings. Let me use that word. instead. it will clip the wings of the sec where they have no power left. They basically would not be able to come after anybody in the crypto space anymore. As you heard Jeremy say uh, yesterday on the show and in that clip that they are power, they become powerless. And that's why I can't imagine that the SEC agency is going to let this thing go that far to the point where they can no longer do their jobs. I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to allow it. I think if they lose, like he said, like, okay, we're not appealing this thing because if we do and we lose that, we're screwed. I don't think you're going to see that appeal. Abs but yes, that would be the best case scenario if Ripple loses and goes to the next level and wins. Oh boy, the SEC's in a lot of trouble. One of the things that stuck out to me before we hear from the No Defender about yesterday's interview is he talked about how incentivized the SEC should be to settle in this case, yet we've seen none of that. We've seen no indication that the SEC has tried to settle. And I, I can remember a couple of years ago, I believe they offered Ripple 
1.3 billion in settlement and they denied that. So they were willing to fight it out in court. And so far they've paid a hundred million dollars. And that's from a couple months ago. I'm actually, I'm sure it's more than that now. A hundred million dollars battling the SEC for crypto regulation here. And somebody's commenting fire Gensler. I wish it was that simple. If Gensler was the only problem here, this would be much easier. But Johnny, I'd like to get your take there. How do you feel about the SEC being incentivized to settle, but we're getting no indications of that in regards to this lawsuit? Well, Abs, that is the part that I think I've said over and over and over on this show that I'm beating the horse is it's mind-boggling to me why they wouldn't say, okay, you know, there's a big payday that the SEC could walk away with right now. There is no doubt in my mind. We all know Brad has got the checkbook ready to go. Where's the checkbook? He got the checkbook. The checkbook's ready. He's ready to write the check. There's no doubt Brad's like, hey, here's the check. Here's $100 million, Whatever it is, he'll write anything as long as the SEC comes out and says – that any secondary sales are not are not a security. <laughs> Brad's got an open checkbook for the SEC. And it's mind-boggling to me that if you think about the other scenario, where the other scenario is the SEC loses its teeth if they go to the next level and lose this case in appellate court, or the other scenario this side is they could just take a big paycheck and walk away happy. I don't understand why they haven't taken the paycheck and walking away. I just don't understand it. And I don't think we ever will until something actually happens. But to me, Abs, that is the most mind-boggling of this whole thing is they've got a paycheck. Money's on the table. Mario, why don't you take the money? Let's see. you got two options. A big stack of money on one side or losing your power on the other side. Which one would you go with? Dude, it is unbelievable the amount of notifications this man has going off. And guys, we got 463 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We are going to stay focused on this conversation. So, Mario, I'd love to get your take. How did you feel about Jeremy Hogan's statements overall? And then what Johnny Crypto just referenced about a settlement. Yeah, I agree 100%. We will find out exactly why this is happening in the way that it's happening. And this is history in the making. This is... This is going to set law for digital assets in general. And it's it's taking time in a way that is so weird. And us being present here, we can't really understand why there hasn't been a settlement or why there hasn't been any kind of ruling and why it's dragging on for, for as long as it has, especially when there has been the opportunity for them to just pay the pay, you know, the, pay the slap on the wrist and get it over with. But um, there's got to be a bigger agenda. And firing Gensler, unfortunately, I, I do agree that I, I I don't think it's going to be the solution. This is, goes above, way above Gensler's pay grade. Um, somebody else is pulling the strings, like they say. And so, yeah, history, history in the making. That's all I can say. We're here. We're witnessing it. And I can't help but be excited at the same time. Mario, here's my rebuttal to that statement. You guys are wondering, if it's not about the money, what's it really about? We've highlighted Operation Choke Point 2.0 several times on this channel. And what that is, is the president of the United States has given the SEC, the CFTC, and the OCC jurisdiction Go out, sue these crypto companies and allow traditional finance, which means the regular banks like HSBC, JP Morgan, Bank of America to come in and custody your crypto. We've seen that play out right before our eyes. And when you talk about Johnny, it's not about the money. Why aren't they taking the free money? Because it's not about the money. It's about giving these traditional financial institutions the ability to not only profit off of crypto, but squeeze companies like Uphold, Kraken and Coinbase out of America and we actually had a, a statement from Hester Pierce. We read this on the show. I think it's, wor it's worth it to read it right now. Some people in the regulatory world are perfectly fine with having innovation move out of the United States. This is the, because they don't see anything positive coming out of crypto. Hester Pierce says she thinks that she believes differently, but this is something we've talked about for quite a while. If, if it's pushed out of the United States, that doesn't mean crypto fails. It means that profit 
falls in the hands of some other individuals. So with that being said, let's play the end of this video, Johnny Crypto, again, to what could happen if Ripple decides to end this case. The only way we get the Ripple test is if Ripple loses at the trial court level, appeals it up to the Second Circuit, because then Ripple will do it because they have the money and they have the incentive to do it. And they're going to want the Second Circuit to say no. We're going to replace the Howey test with the Ripple test, and we're going to require an investment contract to actually have a contract. So that's how that would all work. Now, time-wise, we get the judge's decision, let's say, in April or May. Uh, the Second Circuit wouldn't be hearing it until next year. And if it goes up to the U.S. Supreme Court from there to really replace the Howey test, we're talking uh, two to three more years from there. Crazy, Johnny. I'm not even going to give my thoughts. Open floor to you, and we'll kick it to Mario. Abs, you should have seen all the... <laughs> You should have seen all the memes on that on that video. I went through the comments on DA's site after that, and people <laughs> their hands were their hands were in the head like two more years. No, they're gonna rip their hair out. And yeah, exactly. Everybody had the Mario look. They're like, oh my god, I can't believe two more years. And the reality is that yeah, if if this case ends up going that direction, it will be two to three more years. I the only kind of silver lining I would say to that abs. Is I remember in 2020 or 21, we were when we were talking about this, and we're like, oh my God, two years. Well, guess what? <laughs> two years flew by because we're already two and a half years into it. So the reality is, I know nobody wants to hear it, but two and a half years will fly by fast. And if it does win, it'll be all worth it in the end. But let's, I'm not, I'm not hoping that's gonna happen. I'm just trying to find a, a silver lining. I really, I really got to imagine when you look at the four prongs of this test that we talked about yesterday with Jeremy Hogan. To win the case, the SEC has to prove all four prongs. And we already know that the judge took out the SEC's number one witness for one of the prongs and threw, threw him out. That's on bitches out of there. His testimony doesn't count. He's out. So they already have a weak case on one of the prongs. We know on the other prongs, they kind of got beat up along the way throughout the case. So the reality is it just feels like if you're thinking, if you're watching a game and you're saying, who's the favorite here? You got to feel like Ripple is really, really at the front end of this thing being the favorite. And they're, they're the four prongs. They're pretty much at the front end of this case, Abs. No question about it. So, frankly, me personally, I don't want to jinx it, but I'm feeling pretty good. I don't think this is going to go up to the next level, but I also don't know the forces behind it. That's bullish. At, thing, so. at the same time, doesn't it doesn't it feel almost like too good to be true? The fact that Ripple has been yes. favorable yes. Like, over and over again, almost like it's going too easy. I mean, at the end of the day, we know this is a government body that's suing them. It's, it can't be that easy for sure. Mario, one of the things that sticks out to me, and Johnny, you brought this up, the four prongs of the Howey test have to be proven in order for Ripple to win this case and the SEC, or sorry, in order for the SEC to beat Ripple in this case. And one of the key witnesses for one of the four prongs has already been kicked out, meaning Best case scenario here is the SEC is able to prove three of the four prongs of the Howey test, meaning that Ripple would get a win. So again, why aren't they settling? Why aren't they taking the incentive to get ahead of this thing, Johnny? I'm going to kick it to you and then we'll continue. Well, remember what he said. The case witness is thrown out. Um, however, they still have the facts and proof of whatever they put in writing in terms of what actually happened. So the facts still stand for that particular prong. But nothing else. So none of the witness testimony counts. So there's still a chance the SEC could win that prong, but it's less likely because it doesn't have anybody, you know, there to rebut. I'm sure whatever Ripple said on their side, because Ripple's going to also, you know, just as the as the uh, 
SEC is trying to prove each one of these prongs. Ripple's on the other side trying to disapprove them, right? And we don't know the testimony and things that went in there. But I'm sure, you know, they had the dream team of attorneys. I mean, they had people who worked for the SEC, people who worked for the government. They had probably the best best attorney team since O.J. Simpson, right, in that case. So I would imagine that the Ripple team destroyed each one of these prongs. And now we just need to wait for that settlement. And I think Jeremy said in our meeting that now he reset his expectation and thinks it's going to be sometime maybe in the May May Mayish time frame where we're going to hopefully get a ruling from this judge. That that's what was interesting about that video, Johnny. You said the date that stuck out to you is the fact that it could go on two years. The date that stuck out to me is he said by May sixth he believes we could get a ruling. So Mario, what are your thoughts on Jeremy Hogan and these lawyers like John Deaton still making predictions about dates? I know that can frustrate many members in our community, but at the end of the day, guys, if you don't take it too serious, just take it as a piece of information. I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't place a bet on that or or anticipate my portfolio is going to rip starting on May 6th. But at the end of the day, if that's what somebody in the uh, somebody who's familiar with the matter is predicting, I'm going to take him at his word. So, Mario, what does it mean to you? Yeah, look, he's a, they're only making their best educated guess. Uh, at the end of the day, of course, they could be wrong and they've been wrong and they will continue to be wrong. That's just that's just how it, how it is. And us as people that listen to them and and uh, and go by what they say because of their expertise, we need to be aware of the fact that they could be wrong. And if they're wrong, then we can't make bets based on that. But nonetheless, I think we've we've learned the XRP community has learned that we just have to be patient. And I know that we've been nothing but patient, but good things come from those who wait. And so let's continue waiting. Let's continue to be patient. We know that this asset, we know that this event that's happening between the SEC and Ripple is going to be um, a landmark event for the crypto space. And so it involves XRP. We know that XRP has not stopped. Um, the developments have not stopped. The partnerships and the business the business development on Ripple side has not stopped. They've only gotten bigger. And so everything points good. So we just have to be patient. We're, you know, There's going to come a time where we're going to look back and say, thank God I waited. Exactly. And hopefully that time is sooner rather than later, Mario. We got 495 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Mario brought up something important, which is all of this is predetermined. And we're about to show you a video from 2017 highlighting how somebody who is a leader of the European Central Bank's Christine Lagarde says she's sure about massive disruptive technologies coming into this market. And what do we have today? We have CBDCs and we have decentralized currencies battling for that market share. So we're going to play this short video and go to the group. Here we go. Some technology and fintech that you could think would be most disruptive. Uh, I think we are about to see massive disruptions, but clearly the, uh, you know, the, the, the way in which the new technologies are lowering the cost to make financial transactions more accessible even in very small numbers, uh, for people who do not earn much, who do not deposit much, and who do not borrow much, uh, and how those technologies can actually uh, have a track record of the credit history of somebody in a very short while, and then be able to... Let me just pause right there. She just breezed past that detail. Have instant access to everyone's credit and purchasing history. That's coming very soon, but this is a video from 2017, and Johnny, in 2017, we hadn't even gone through the C-19 crisis yet. But something I want to highlight and point out while we're on this article, she talked about how crypto enhances payments and Coinbase is making a very, very strong campaign about why that is why that is the case. So Johnny, sorry, I lost that tweet in the background. I'm going to kick it to you while I pull up that tweet. How do you feel about Christine Lagarde's video? Instant payments are changing finance forever. I mean, <laughs> no question about it. That's what this whole game is. 
This whole game is shifting us to a new quantum financial system, as Coach always talks about, Abs. We're moving to traditional system of cash, which most people were used to, right? And that has been so slowly transitioning itself to a digital system in a sense. What I mean by that is credit card, right? We moved from, I remember when I was growing up, when I was in high school, there were no credit cards. They were like just getting started. It was, that's how long it's been. It was cash. Then we shift to credit card, right? Which is, is a form of digital, right? You're not carrying cash. Don't we just swipe a thing and you're good to go. And now the next thing is moving to uh, a truly digital system, but behind the scenes, because behind the scenes, there was still cash happening going, moving back and forth. But in the new system abs, it's going to be a digital based system, moving things. And the most important part, data, it's data collection, so much data collection, they know exactly what's going on. And that's the element that she was kind of talking about. You hit, you hinted on it uh, there for for a second is knowing exactly what's going on. Well, how do you know? Because they're going to be collecting the data. Mario, and this is a funny commercial we're showing out of Coinbase. This is a brand new, and it's actually in response to some of the SEC allegations. They are saying that the average cost of a Bitcoin transaction is $1.50, and the average cost of an Ethereum transaction is $0.75. Cents. And so for that reason alone, they're saying crypto enhances finance because it allows cheaper transactions. Well, why did they pull XRP, the, the currency that was literally built to facilitate instant payments off their network? It's because they don't have the cojones, as Johnny would say. So I'd love to get some of your thoughts, Mario. How do you feel about Coinbase saying that Bitcoin and Ethereum enhance payments while pulling XRP off their platform once they were sued by the SEC? Yeah, the, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of people call call Coinbase out on Twitter recently over the fact that they refuse to mention XRP, even though that um, you know they're clearly saying that there are blockchain technologies and that most blockchain technologies are faster, cheaper. And there's no doubt that this is the future of our financial system. Now, why they continue to ignore XRP, even though they they have all the reasons to join the battle. And uh, because this, as we've been talking about, this is going to set precedent for the, the entire crypto space. And Coinbase is also under attack from the SEC. So why wouldn't they just join forces with with Ripple? And uh, yeah, that that's a little mind boggling. I don't understand why why they continue to ignore Ripple or, or XRP and why they haven't even relisted it. I know they, they should take the first step and relist it, in my opinion. Uphold has never has never even taken it off their platform. I haven't heard anything as far as the SEC coming after them, so I don't know. Great you know point, what the Mario. most you know what the most important part is about this little meme you got playing right here? Look at the first line. Here it comes, ready? Oh, here it comes, ready? Boom. $45 right now today the banks make on sending rents. Think about those fees, right? And now we're saying we want to reduce that to a dollar fifty seven five cents or with XRP, you know, what is it? Three cents or no one? It's like point, point oh oh yeah. I'm sorry, I meant that fraction of a penny. So now you can see why there's a lot of pressure. Like whoa whoa, we don't we don't, we don't want to cut these fees from forty five dollars because how are we going to make that up? Right, that's a big chunk of money that's going to be lost in the banking system. So you can certainly see why whatever system comes in place is going to have to be a system that you know, to some degree is beneficial to the folks who are running the system. So we'll see how that, but now it's funny because if you look at this, what you could do is a $45 cost today. That means they're probably charging 60 so they can make money versus a dollar 50 or even like a fractional cost of a penny. And you can still charge maybe 30 bucks and make a shit ton of money. So I don't know why, why it's taking so long for this to happen because there's a ton of profit to be made in such a low cost system.
Johnny Crypto, I think this is the perfect time to transition into an XRP video and actually how it works. But I, there's, I have so much stuff I'd like to get to. First, I want to call out this article right here. Nancy J. Allen posted an article said, is now is Fed now a better alternative to Ripple and Stellar Lumens? This article and these types of headlines, this is what I would anticipate as a crypto investor. Misleading headlines. You get into these articles. There's literally nothing about Ripple, nothing about XLM. And we're going to break down some of the details of what the Fed now payment system really is and why it's so different from what Ripple and XLM are doing today. So FedNow will likely make transfer funds in the U.S. dollar across financial institutions like banks relatively faster, and it will charge ultra-low costs in comparison to the system that exists today. It is reportedly a medium to initiate peer-to-peer -peer transactions, as well as business-to-business -business and business-to-customer. Now, this is important to know because I believe they're going to roll out a product like this just before they roll out a central bank digital currency. This is the this is like the iPod to the iPhone. They're perfecting the technology. Then they're going to combine all of the best attributes and launch a central bank digital currency product. And FedNow is just the first step in that big process. So with FedNow, the payment systems will, it will within financial entities will be done instantly. And it will be beneficial for businesses that rely on continued cash flow. The 24-7 availability of the upcoming payment system will eliminate the issue with time and be readily available for cash deposits and withdrawals. Now, Johnny, what's so interesting about this for me is when I look at 24-7 banking, they're, they're apparently bringing that to the Fed. So that's pretty interesting news because one of the biggest criticisms, criticisms we have when it comes to stocks, as well as the banking system, is it's closed for about 20% of the week. So at least they're addressing that old dinosaur issue. What does this article overall mean to you? And we'll continue with the details. Well, I mean, there's a number of different things going on. So, I mean, I think the system behind what the Fed now runs on, it hasn't been clear. Some people say it's blockchain. Some people say it's not blockchain. It's been, there's a lot of misinformation out there and trying to figure that part out. Um, but in terms of a replacement or, or coming before the CBD, I'm not so sure, Abs. I think this is scheduled to come out in July of this year. And I think CBDCs, uh, the last I heard was from, I don't know if it was Yellen or something, but she was saying we're still two years away. I suspect the CBDC is probably somewhere in the 2024, maybe 2025, 2026 range. And we know FedNow is coming now. So um, so I think it will it'll definitely uh, preclude it. This system will, I, you know, in a few years. So we'll have to see. But I think you're right. I think this is just getting folks ready, stepping them up and getting them ready for what's coming down the road. I, I totally agree with you from that perspective. Honey Crypto, a couple of our listeners are commenting about how BlackRock is burning in France this morning, and I read it in the title, so we're going to come back to this article, but I do want to play that video for our listeners. This is something This is something I don't know if I thought we would see, but we're, we're seeing it today. BlackRock is currently burning down in France. This video really speaks for itself. There's no reason to play the audio, but I'll show you guys. Here we go. So, Johnny, I'll let the video play in the background as well, but we don't really need the audio. You can see the chaos. You can hear the chaos. They're walking through with these flames or these torches, whatever you call them. I I don't know. I have an interesting take. I'd like to save it until after you and Mario share your opinions. What do you think about what's happening in France? We know that their prime minister or whatever you call this guy is in China right now 
trying to convince them to stay using the U.S. dollar instead of getting a discount on oil prices with other currencies. But we can talk about that in a little bit. What does this video in particular mean to you, Johnny? Well, it feels for me like, you know, the, the I don't want to say the fight for freedom, but it's more like the protest, right? These folks are out there and and they, uh, you know, feel, I mean, it doesn't look like this. I, it doesn't look like they're breaking stuff or doing violence. They're just out there with some, uh, what do you call those flat, uh, those uh, flares. Um, and I think they're just trying to, to make, you know, make, make their voices heard and trying to get at least if nothing else, um, you know, I thought Macron banned protests too, but I think they're out there trying to protest something and, you know, good for them. I mean, that's the great, great yeah, thing. That guy showed his true colors when he was doing that interview. I can't remember what news network it was. And people rumored that he was wearing this $80,000 watch. He's giving this speech about how people need to cut back. It's time to start making sacrifices for the people. He realizes he has this watch on. His arms go underneath the table. He comes back up. His wrists are empty. He took the $80,000 watch off. <laughs> they researched it. It wasn't an $80,000 watch. It was only about ten dollars to $12,000, guys. So oh, there were some makes, moves, but yeah, go ahead, Johnny. That makes a difference, Abs. But no, no, just getting back to this, though, I think it's important. You know, I, I know they're also trying to do in France, they're trying to raise the, uh, the, the retirement age to much, much higher than what it is today. And I forgot the number. So you've got that. You've got this issue here. So I think the French people are starting to get um, a, a little edgy. And you know what? To some degree, hey, you know what? That's the whole beautiful thing about America was you could you could have the right to protest peacefully. Right. And I don't see any violence here. I see them trying to protest peacefully uh, and get their voices out there. So, you know, good. It says angry people do. Here's the only problem. And Johnny, you're smart. I want to hear your answer to this. When you talk about peaceful protests, what's the easiest way to disrupt a peaceful protest? Well, I mean, you know, right? I, so it's, it's so dangerous when you say protest peacefully, because if I was the enemy, I would just send a couple of guys in there, yeah, smash a couple of windows, and then everybody who is who is operating correctly and doing things well. Now they look bad. And we've seen that in the past. So do you have an example or, or kind of a rebuttal? No, you're, you're absolutely right. In abs, and I think, you know, in this case, it says here that they broke into this. I didn't know if they broke in or the police let them in. It looked like there were people there uh, opening it. So if they broke in, then obviously that's a problem, right? You don't want to create you don't want to do violence. And you, you are actually taking away from your ability to protest if you do it unpeacefully and you do any kind of because instead of them talking about, you know, why people are here and what they're protesting about, they're going to talk about, hey, they broke in. So you, you got to be smart if you're going to protest. You got to do it outdoors, do it peacefully, do it right. And maybe you can get somewhere, you know, and it's fine if you want to do the flares. It does create a little angst of like war zone. So that's probably not a smart thing to do. But but I think we're, we're all missing the point here because we're talking about that. What we should be talking about is people are standing up because they're tired of what's happening and they want to and they want, you know, they want answers. They want to stand up for their freedom apps. And I think that's the point here that we don't want to lose sight of. Absolutely. And Mario, I'd love to get some additional comments as well. And then we'll roll into our next article, guys. I just wanted to show this because I think it's important on a global stage, much bigger than crypto. Yeah. My analysis from watching that video, so like me spending a lot of time in Europe, I used to see protests from, from French people. So this is just another day in a Frenchman's life. Uh, they protest all the time. And the one thing that I remember from seeing on TV is that the protest, protests were not peaceful. So we're seeing a peaceful protest. From what I saw, they didn't break anything. And that's not normal. I used to see a lot of a lot of violence, a lot of breaking, you know, windows, storefronts and stuff like that, car jumping on top of cars, throwing uh, Molotov bombs and stuff. And so I'm not seeing any of that in that video. And to me, it, I can't help but, but feel like it, it's somewhat staged. That's just my opinion. 
That's interesting, Mario. And we're going to shift gears just a little bit here, guys. I was pulling up this video in the background. Tucker Carlson is talking about the dumping of the U.S. dollar from countries around the world and how that could impact people within America. So we're going to play a couple short segments from this video. Here we go. Smart, smart foreigners, and there are some, believe it or not, start to dump the U.S. dollar. Why? Because the U.S. dollar was no longer a reliable store of value. Suddenly, it was a political weapon that could be wielded at will against anyone who held it. So what if you had a border dispute? So let me just ask you, Johnny Crypto, when he's talking about it, it was a weapon that could be used at will. I believe he's referencing the sanctions that took place in 2021 at the beginning of the Ukrainian war. Many American citizens said sanctions are a short-term way of thinking. You penalize Russia and China don't and not allow them to spend your currency. You're, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Unless the whole world decides to comply, those sanctions are not a good thing. So I think that's what Tucker was referencing. Maybe you can elaborate on that. That's exactly what he was talking about. 100% abs. He was talking about the fact that if you're going to weaponize the dollar against other countries, then sooner or later, that could bite you. Now, the funny part of this is we've been sanctioning people for 80 years or, or not 80, but like 50 years. Since I've been born, I remember hearing, oh, we're sanctioning this country. We're sanctioning that country whenever they did something bad. And it was never a problem. But now it is. So it just tells me that it's just it's just. They're rolling that into that narrative. They're just using that narrative for that purpose. The reality is um, there's a bigger agenda here, I think, to move to you know another world reserve or, or, or basket of currencies. And so you're just seeing that as the narrative for it. But I think uh, you know the question here is, is the U.S. dollar dead? I certainly think it's definitely on its way out, Abs. There's no question about it. The cracks have begun. Um, the nations have already separated. You've already got what five all BRIC nations. The BRICs now are trading in the yuan or in their own currencies. So the reality is, uh, the dollar is no longer going to have the 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 power that it used to have. Now, that is what's more important here. Is if you live in America or you're American or you have dollars, your life is about to change when that when we come off that standard because now there's no longer the need for other nations to hold the dollar. And if you don't hold the dollar, they dump those dollars. And when they start dumping them, now you've got a ton of this money that was printed, a ton of money, a shit ton of money has been printed. And right now you could get away with that, as he talked about, because other nations are need it. You have to, they have to trade in it. Well, when they no longer need it and they dump it, now you've got all this money and no need. And guess what that means? That means hyperinflation. That means, you know, a, 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 a $1.50 loaf of bread, what used to cost $1.50 is going to cost 12 bucks or 80 bucks or a hundred dollars. That's the days that are scary. And don't say it can't happen. It's happened in Venezuela. It's happened in other countries as well. It can happen here as well. And this is a perfect topic for something that I saw this morning here in Brazil. One of my friends sent me a news report that aired on Monday here on national television. And this news report, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been a little disconnected from the news the last couple of weeks, but I, I doubt that that's what's happening. So this news report was talking about how the Fed had announced that cash was going to cease to exist effective immediately. And so what they said in this report is that um, businesses in America were already getting rid of cash, not accepting cash. And they showed some images about some places saying uh, no cash accepted here. They stated that banks were already firing employees since they no longer needed them for cash deposits. ATMs are being sh shut down and closed. And now this report wasn't saying that this could be happening. They were saying this is happening. And they use some references of some terms like if you're if you've got dollars at home, 
thinking that uh, you could go to United States, you could go to Disney in, in, in Orlando, Florida and spend them, get rid of them because that's not going to happen. You're going to go to America and you're not going to be able to spend your dollars. So they are programming the Brazilian citizens to get rid of their cash right now by saying that in America, it's no longer being accepted. And correct me if I'm wrong, I didn't hear anything as far as the Fed saying digital dollars here, no more cash. I don't think that's what's happening. Not uh, yet, Mario, but I'm sure if you fast forward a couple of years, that narrative will be out there. And guys, we got 538 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here on this beautiful Thursday morning. Johnny, do you have any uh, additional comments? Sorry. Well, I just want to say, guys, we brought that to you live right from Brazil with our host, Mario, out there in Brazil, bringing you what's going on on the ground in Brazil. But no, that is actually incredible information, Mario, because see what happens. Here in America, we see what we get to see on TV, right? And we see one narrative. Now, you just brought to life uh, to the world here, to the show, what's happening in another nation and what narrative they're hearing. Think about it. So that means if they're hearing that narrative, probably all the other BRIC nations that, that are that the other five that have said they're going to be part of coming off the dollar, they're probably telling their countries the same exact thing. That means there's five countries telling all its people, hey, the dollar's dead, get out. Well, meanwhile, nobody in America, unless if you're watching Fox News, is telling you, Americans are not aware of it. I talk to my friends and tell them the dollars, they're like, what are you talking about? They don't even know the dollar's the world reserve currency. That's number one issue. Then when you tell them it's coming off the standard, they don't know what that means. And number three, they have no idea what the, what's going to happen to their life when it does happen. 95% of people are going to get blindsided abs when this happens, but yet the rest of the world is already preparing outside of the U.S. Guys, I can't tell you what to do. I'm not a financial advisor, not financial advice, but man, if you're not diversified into other things like silver, gold, crypto, real estate, oh man. You know what, Johnny, let me actually jump in here because I've always been critical of the boomer narrative when it comes to gold and silver. For the yeah. first time ever in about three or four years, the price charts, and I'm not talking about the assets themselves. I'm saying the gold price chart and the silver price chart they look phenomenal. They do look yeah. like they're ready for a breakout. Now, it's oh, good yeah. to know about these assets, guys, especially for the younger people out there. Gold and silver, when I say they're ready for a breakout, that means gold could move about 5%, and that would be phenomenal for everyone holding their gold out there. So it's not like crypto when gold's ready for a breakout. We might do 30% one day and 15% another. No. When gold and silver break out, we do like 3%, 7% on the best case scenario over a several-week time span like so, Johnny, maybe you can elaborate and I'll play the end of this. Yeah, video. let me elaborate a little bit more on that because I don't want people to think like – so that's not entirely true. If you look at <clears throat> the purchasing power of a gold coin, it is still the same level of purchasing power that it had all the way back in 1915, 1925. And so that's what we're talking about here is – we're not talking about – 10, 20, 30, 50x gains. No, Depends we're talking on the about, asset you use, Johnny. It really does. It, it, not, not entirely. We're talking about the preservation of capital and what you haven't seen and what is not, and none of us have, so we don't know the comparison. You haven't seen what the relationship of, the, of gold is going to be when the dollar is no longer the world reserve currency status. When that moves off and hyperinflation comes up, the value of gold is going to skyrocket way beyond 7 or 8 or 10%. I'll bet you a gold coin on that right now. I'll bet you your XRP, 100,000 XRP, that the value of gold is not going to only move up 4 or 5% if the dollar becomes disconnected as the world reserve currency. You're going to see gold maintain its purchasing power. And so I, um, to me, again, it's one of those things where I don't know exactly where the best at. You know, most people tell you Bitcoin is the best place to put your money. For me, it's a diversification. You want to be in multiple baskets, Bitcoin, 
gold, silver, some crypto, some real estate, any other real assets that, you know, will, will keep their tangible value. So to me, listen, that's what I'm doing, but I'm not recommending that for anybody else. I'm not a financial advisor. That's not financial advice. You have to do what you think is the best thing to do for yourself. But more importantly, just be educated about what's coming. Thank you so much, Johnny. And just a brief thing that I would like to say is that I do categorize investments differently when it comes to, am I going to make profit off this investment or is this a safe store of value? Right. I completely agree with you. If you're talking about gold and silver, they haven't proven to be great investments. They have not. Over the past 50 years, gold and silver have massively underperformed. And I remember back in 2008, believe it or not, I remember this. Everyone was anticipating gold was going to skyrocket in price, but we never went above 1800. And then after the 2012 year, we entered a bear market. And I believe that gold entered and it went down about $500. It created a massive view. I don't want to bore people, but in the past, they always say gold's going to rocket. It never does. It's a store of value. It's not an investment. And I think that's the difference. It's, it's preservation. preservation. It's preservation. preservation. And that's what I'm looking for, to be honest with you. I'm not the, the other big booms. That's what my crypto bets are for for that kind of huge capital uh, growth, but for preservation, you know, gold, silver, real estate, those kind of things preserve your wealth. Johnny Crypto, what do you think? Should I play the end of this Tucker Carlson video? Or I could read a Twitter thread right now from Robert F. Kennedy warning the American public about central bank digital currencies, as well as the Fed now system referencing digital IDs, social credit scores. And I want to remind people, he's actually going to be running for office, I believe. I think he's, he's putting himself in there for president of the United States of America. So guys, would you rather watch the end of this video, Johnny and Mario, or would you, would you prefer I read this thread? I think, we, I think we've talked enough about the dollar. So for my vote, I'd say let's hop into this article, but uh, let's, let's do, do it, guys. Thing. All right. Yeah. So Robert F. Kennedy put out an interesting video yesterday, so an interesting Twitter thread yesterday, talking about how the Fed just announced it will introduce a FedNow central bank digital currency in July. CBDCs grease the slippery rope of the financial slavery and political tyranny there are some very strong words in here, so I'm actually going to have to edit this as I go through so we don't get canceled. While cash transactions are anonymous, a CBDC will allow the government to surveil all of our private financial affairs. The central bank will have the power to enforce dollar limits on our transactions, restricting where you can spend your money, where you can, where you can spend your money, where you can spend it, and how money expires. A CBDC tend to digital IDs. Sorry, let me just pause this. I got to scroll down here. A CBDC tied to digital IDs and social credit score will allow the government to freeze your assets or limit spending to approved vendors if you fail to comply with arbitrary tasks, aka mandates. I'm not going to read that word. The Fed will initially limit its CBDC to inter interbank transactions, but should not be blind to the obvious danger that this is the first step in banning and seizing Bitcoin as the Treasury did 90 years ago with gold. And I showed it on the show yesterday, 90 years ago, it was 1933. We were sitting here and the government said, everybody turn in your gold or you're going to jail. Something along those lines, Johnny Crypto. What did they say exactly? Can you remind me? I'm sure he remembers. Well, <laughs> <laughs> right, guys, I was around in 1933. So I'll let you repeat it. I'm only joking, guys. But back in 1933, the government came out and said they were outlawing all gold purchases. You weren't allowed to hold your gold. You weren't allowed to keep it in your house. And you had until a certain date to turn it in. Well, what happened? Everybody turned in their gold and the value slowly increased over time all the way until 1971 where the dollar detached from the gold standard. And that's where the petrodollar came in. And I can bore you with the economics, but I don't feel like it. So Johnny Crypto, how do you feel about this Twitter thread right here calling out CBDCs, digital IDs and social credit scores and also stating what we said in the earlier in the episode. This is the first step towards a CBDC. 
Yeah, you know, no doubt about it. Um, that this is, you know, he's calling out all the all the the downside risks that we've been calling out of it as well. And I think the question is going to be, you know, will that how will that stand up here in America? That is going to be the question when people realize the downside risks, if they ever do. And that's what we're going to have to wait and see, Abs. And that's going to take years to play out here in America. Unless you've got guys like him and other people speaking up and going out publicly and saying that. And, you know, and, and if you got Tucker and those saying on the, you know, maybe that, that word will spread. But the reality is, I think there's nothing about it. Um, that's right. By the way, I'm Johnny Crypto Abs, not Johnny Cripple. Okay. I wasn't born in 1930. So stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love our, we have the best, we have the best listeners. But, uh, you know, so for me, it's one of those things where we all know the risks of it. We all know what's coming. The question is, will there be an alternative? And that's what we're going to have to wait and see. Uh, is it going to go full bore 100% CBD or is it going to be hybrid? You know, think about what happened with, uh, as an example I gave earlier, we went from cash to credit card, right? And they've been coexisting for many, many years. And soon maybe cash goes away and then we're in credit card and CBDC. Maybe those coexist for many years before they merge. I don't, I don't really know how that's going to happen there. But nonetheless, at the end of the day, Abs, I do think it is something we need to keep an eye on as to how this is going to progress over time. Well, what caught my attention here, Johnny, is that we've referenced this in the article itself. They made very clear this was not a central bank digital currency, but Robert Kennedy is calling out the BS here and saying FedNow is a central bank digital currency. It's just the first step before a finished product. Mario, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. What do you think about his him calling out the fact that this is the first step towards social credit scores, digital ID, and money that expires. Yeah, well, I mean, he's 100% correct. We know that this is happening. This is going to come in some form, although Brazil thinks it's already it's already happening. But uh, the digital, digital currency, and that's where I ended up responding to my friend, was that digital currency is the future, and it has to happen one way or another. And CBDCs and the way that it, they can be programmed and the way that people can be even more controlled and lose... Uh, privacy. It just makes total sense. Although I don't agree with it, I don't think it's a good thing for um, for humanity. Um, I can't help but but understand that that's the way that the world is moving because it's always been about control. It will always be about control. And so nothing different there. Thank you, Mario. And I want to read this quote, Johnny. We talked about Citibank earlier this week, predicting that by 2030, the tokenization market could do an ADX, bringing the total market cap all the way to $4 trillion. What did they say would be the biggest catalyst for this innovative push? That would be central bank digital currencies. As their CEO called central bank digital currencies a Trojan horse for the crypto market. He said CBDCs will push the adoption of financial services of tokenized assets and tokenized money. Now, one of the things that we've referenced many, many times, and I do keep saying that throughout this episode for some reason, is the fact that we are going to be launching CBDCs around the world, but we haven't acknowledged it in America. So for Citibank or Citigroup to come out and say that they think CBDCs are going to be the biggest catalyst for growth, when we haven't even acknowledged that we're launching it for sure, Johnny Crypto, it's a red flag to me. And when you tie that in with what Mario just said, that in other nations, such as Brazil, where he is right now, they're already gearing people up to not use a dollar and use a digital currency the stars are aligning here, guys. And with India, they're launching their CBDC product this month, aiming to have over a million users operating on a CBDC in only 90 days, Johnny Crypto. And it's only 2023. Fast forward five, six, seven, eight years. I think the dollar is going to be in the back end of these conversations and the CBDC is going to be at the forefront. 
Yeah, there's, there's no question about it. I don't really have much to add there. I kind of agree with you, <clears throat> uh, Abs, that at the end of the day, the, we have to accept the fact that a new digital system is coming and we're just going to have to learn to, um, you know, to see what, or are there going to be alternatives? Are there going to be ways to operate? Will there still be a few folks that change trading cash? Or Johnny, you know what? I'm actually going to, I'm sorry to cut you off. I want to play this video because I forgot we had it. It fits perfectly into what you're saying. We're going to play this short clip and go right back to you, my friend. Here we go. So let me just make it very easy, right? So basically in RippleNet, two nodes, let's say node A and node B, let's just for simplicity, just take their two banks. They want to speak to each other. They're able to speak to each other almost like WhatsApp. Right. So in our technology, what they're able to do is they're able to put the address of bank B and let's assume the bank B says, I'm okay to accept messages from bank A, like what we do in WhatsApp. Once our phone numbers are there, we accept the, the person. Then you, then the bank A can communicate with bank B. So let's assume Arjun is the customer of bank A. He says, Hey, you know what? I want to send money to Naveen, who's the customer of bank B. The first thing will happen is just a message will go from bank A to bank B. Hey, Arjun wants to send money to Naveen. Are you open to accepting this money? Are you guys following this here? Is he going a little bit too fast? What they're basically describing is how Ripple is taking money and making it as fast as information moves on the internet. Chris Larson, one of the founders of Ripple, came out and said the main objective of his company, Ripple Labs, is to make money flow like information. How easy was it to, to communicate with people, Johnny, when they first launched email? That's what Ripple's doing for finance. Now financial institutions are going to be able to launch communications not only instantly, but actually send value during those transactions. So I'm going to play the end of this and then kick it right back to you, my friend. And bank B can essentially look at my bank account and essentially say my bank account is active and I'm a good person and, and AML and all the KYC checks are done. He says, yeah, you know what? Arjun's money can travel to Naveen from bank A to bank B. So the thumbs up is given. And then the moment Arjun presses enter, your account will get it debited. And in a few seconds, the account of Naveen will get credited and everybody can go home. So just phenomenal, Johnny. And what I love about that is the Federal Reserve is claiming that their payment system is the one that should be used to enhance payments. Well, there you have it. One of the Ripple, I forget this guy's uh, actual job position, but he's very high up within the company. And he just described how you can use alternative payment systems separate of the Fed now that keeps the power in the hands of the consumer by allowing you to have a third party between those transactions. Now, it's it's great to get into the technicals of it, but I'm just going to kick it to you, Mario. What's it mean, my friend? No, we don't we don't need to get into the technicals of it. I think he's just describing basically a, a two way communication system that has checks and balances on each side, and it makes sure that you know uh, both KYCs and if everything's kosher, then it allows the transaction to happen and it happens instantly. And that's basically <laughs> what they've been trying to to promote and that system to get out there and do. So I think it's only a matter of time before. You know, you, you kind of have that now, but it's the way it works in the background that's different. I can send Mario the money right, uh, blah, money to Mario right now with Cash App. He's not in Brazil. And I can literally have money to him in a few seconds in his Cash App account, right? Um, but what happens is the settlement pieces of it all in the background, that's the part that's different, Abs. That's all the technical stuff that you're showing right here. And that's what we're talking about. Is we're talking about changing the back end of a system so it becomes much more faster efficient, frictionless, and, you know, the ability to capture a lot of data. Mario, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. What's it mean to you? And for any of our people watching on YouTube, we're showing you an illustration of how Ripple actually works and how all of this will happen seamlessly behind the scenes. The only thing that you're going to notice is your transactions are instantaneous.
Yeah, there's no doubt that Ripple has a winning and disruptive technology. The question is, and it, it's always been, is it, are the federal, are the central banks going to allow Ripple to get involved in this in this system, in this financial system? And so that's the big question, in my opinion. But no doubt that their technology is way superior than what what uh, Swift offers these days, where you know it takes a week for the money to get from point A to point B. It's expensive. It's slow. Um, it's not efficient. So yeah, no, no. Thank doubt. you, Rob. And we're going to close this show out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. Thank you to the Node Defender. And thank you to the 515 live listeners we have today. Show us some love. Smash that like button on the way out of here. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go.